0: Hey, this is The Brains Podcast. I'm Julian Shapiro. And I'm your co-host, Cortland Allen. Today we're talking to Sam Parr and Ayla. Sam is the founder of The Hustle, one of the largest newsletters in the world with close to two million subscribers. He just sold it to HubSpot for over $20 million. He's also the co-host of one of the biggest tech and business podcasts in the world, My First Million. Ayla is one of the smartest minds on Twitter, where she runs two huge accounts in parallel and posts thoughtfully divisive questions for people to chew on. She's also one of the highest earning creators in the history of OnlyFans, where she sells subscriptions to her adult content. Nobody else on OnlyFans is using Twitter and Reddit to grow as effectively as Ayla has. Both Ayla and Sam are masters at building online audiences, easily in the top 0.1% of their fields. And it's not a coincidence that they're two of the most interesting people I know.
1: Can I ask a live or die question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ayla. Um... Your you how many subscribers do you have? Do you reveal that?
2: On OnlyFans?
1: Yeah. Around
2: 2500.
1: Can this be something that you could do for a decade?
2: I mean the question is my burnout. So I was able to cam for 5 years before I got significantly burned
1: out. But did your customers get burned out?
2: Um, a bit, but there was, there was turnover. There was pretty high turnover. Yeah. About 50% turnover a month.
1: That's crazy. That's so high. Mm-hmm. So that's what my question was, is it sustainable? And what you're saying it is sustainable because there's always going to be new people.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You have to like 90% of my effort gets into getting more people. Is
0: burning out the only reason you would quit? Like, is there like a, a level of like financial independence you could gain that would make you quit?
2: Yeah, definitely. If I managed to make something else work for me, um, then I'll quit only the only chance is great. I'm very grateful for it. It's like a lot of income for you know relatively little work, uh, but it's still not like my passion. You know, it's not like my soul. It's not what I wanted to be
1: when I grew up. You know. Do you have a number? Like a lot of people have numbers. they like they're. It's like their fu number. Yeah. Can you reveal it?
2: Yeah, one point two.
1: One point
0: two. That's your number. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> what do you mean that's good? What's your number, Sam? That's good. Um,
1: uh, maybe twenty. And then what? Oh, uh, nothing. It's just like, it's just like li- <laughs> I live the life I want to live now. To me, having that number, it's kind of like, which, what's your goal for lifting weights? Um, mm-hmm. Like, if you want to bench 300 pounds, it's like, why'd you set that goal? Cause it seemed kind of hard, but also I think I can get it. And then once you get it, you're like, sick. Now maybe I'm going to try and do 310. Or it's like, now I'm going to just like figure out, can I squat this much too? Like, you know what I mean? To me, it's just like a fun competition.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. You kind of just pick like a number out of a hat. Uh, but Ayla, 1.2 million—that seems like something you could hit relatively soon. I mean, haven't there been months where you've made hundred thousand dollars from OnlyFans?
2: Yeah, but taxes are really high because um, I'm self-employed, so I get the 15% income tax, and so that that kind of mm. really sets it back a lot. Um, also, I'm even making around 50 grand a month lately. I'm not 100 because I've lazy. Have
3: you ever thought about going to some place like a Malta, where there are no income taxes, and just retiring earlier?
2: Yeah, welcome to the USA where that's not a possibility. They tax you wherever you are, even if you leave the US, even if you if you you're not it's legal to um, renounce your US citizenship for the purpose of taxes, they would still come after you. It's crazy.
1: Mm. But why be in San Francisco instead of Florida or Texas or well, I
2: moved I moved to as soon as I started making the money. I, I started looking to get out and now I'm in Washington.
1: Have you guys
3: heard of the Puerto Rico thing like moving to Puerto Rico and paying zero taxes?
1: Yeah, I think it's fucking stupid.
3: Yeah, it's a big commitment. If you're willing to sacrifice your social life for a couple of years, you just don't pay any taxes.
0: This is like those people who think uh, the income tax is unconstitutional, and there's all these subreddits about it, and they don't pay income tax and they just go to <laughs> go to jail.
1: <laughs> I, I think this whole tax thing, like whenever these nerds talk about it, I'm like, you guys, like, I want to live a baller life, and if that means I gotta li- I gotta pay some taxes in order to like be in a cool place, cool. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna sacrifice my life to save a little bit of money. I'm just gonna make a ton of it and I'll be happy.
2: If you if you reverse the question, it sounds voluntary. You're like, would you deliberately make this exchange? And for a lot of people, the question isn't really voluntary. Like a lot of people like don't have the option of moving out of the Bay Area, but they still don't wanna pay this or they're not supporting like the policies that their monies are going to. So it's a little bit more nuanced than that, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of incentive if you're in a position to get a huge windfall all at once. Like Sam, your wife works at Airbnb. They just went public. She just got a ton of stock. Like, depending on the state you live in, that might be like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that you have to pay.
1: Yeah. So we rec- we recently moved to Texas, but but I always I didn't do it only for taxes. I did it because I was a little bit sick of San Francisco and I've had roots in Texas for four or five years. And so we did it for that reason as well. I think a lot of people who are moving out, outside of San Francisco, uh, I think a lot of people say taxes. I actually think that's the second most important thing. The first most important thing is like there's a lot of bad stuff going on and the taxes Yeah, the rent in SF is astronomically high. Uh, the sidewalks are covered in poop. Yeah. Cuz I don't mind paying money to be around. I mean, that's why like I was happy being in California. California's dope. California's awesome. It's beautiful. Weather's but you great. you just got to pay a lot of money and you don't like it doesn't love you back. Hmm. Can, can I ask you one more question, Ayla? I've noticed that the majority of sponsored ads on Instagram are only fans people.
0: Like World Star Hip Hop is posting them to their feed? Or these are like
1: Yeah, it's like a sponsored post. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a hot girl doing something and it says, Join my OnlyFans, and you click off. I thought it was cool. I, I thought it was it was brilliant. It caught my attention and I was I just thought it was a slick advertising move on both the OnlyFans people and the uh World Star Hip Hop. I was like, this is like a perfect fit.
0: What would you do, Sam, if you uh were a beautiful cam girl on OnlyFans? and you wanted to make as much money as possible, like what would your strategy be? Well, I mean, I, uh, I would say
1: definitely build up an email newsletter. Uh, do you have an email newsletter?
2: Uh, I have kind of, I have one linked on my, all, link, my, um, all my links, but I don't really check it.
1: I would try to build up a newsletter as big as possible. So I, I have this company and we have, uh, our main thing is our daily email and we've got about 2 million subscribers. I would build up um, an email and send out deals like-
0: Like discounts to your OnlyFans page?
1: Yeah, I would send out discounts. And then I would send out the schedule, like the, the programming schedule for the next week. And it's like, if you buy now, uh, it's going to be this much money off your first month, I would do things like that, like crazy. Mm. I would just try to collect as many emails as possible. Have you? So do you know anyone who's subscribed to uh, or who paid money to be advertised on the WorldStar page? No. Okay, well, I, I if I had to imagine, I imagine they get 10,000 clicks. And of those 10,000, I'm just doing the math right now of those 10,000 clicks, I imagine, only 1% actually buy. So that, what's 1% of ten thousand? Hundred, So only 100 people buy. But if they put an email capture form there, I bet they would collect 30%. So they would now have uh, 3,000 emails that they would have collected. And so they have a list of 3,000 people who they could constantly market mm. to as opposed to just the 100 sales right there on that first time. So that's what I would do.
2: That's, that's really useful to know. I've never really seriously thought about email as like a collection
1: mechanism. Julian, don't you 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 run e-com, you like help e-com companies, right?
3: Yeah, so what I love about email is that it's an owned channel. You know, you're not gonna get your folks off of Twitter, you're not gonna get them off of OnlyFans, meaning you can't port over the subscribers because you can't get their email addresses. So you wanna basically be proactively asking for emails while you're building your audience on this on any other platform. And then the email is also a much softer sell. It's like for everyone who's not yet ready to buy from you, for example, uh, if they enter their email address, it's not that much off their back. And then later you can try to sell to them after you've nurtured a relationship. Mm. Is that also the philosophy of your free Twitter account, Ayla, like the second one that you have where you're giving out content because people are not yet ready to buy?
2: Right. Yeah, I have like tiers of types of nudity and I provide different tiers in different areas.
3: And what's the strategy between the two Twitter accounts? What's one used for, and what's the other one used for?
2: Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a complicated story, but to make it really short is my my verified Twitter is my original Twitter I used for sex work years ago. Um, and then once I quit sex work a couple of years ago, um, I converted that to self, safer work and like my writing Twitter. Um, and then when I went back into OnlyFans, I had to make a second Twitter for porn. And then that one just shot up a lot faster.
3: So, how big is the adult one?
2: Uh, about 90,000 followers.
3: And how long did it take to get to 90,000 on the adult one versus 90,000 on the PG one?
2: Maybe like a month and a half. It God damn. What
3: a world. God damn.
2: I had a couple viral things which really helped. Abducted by gnomes, that whole thing.
3: Wow. The thing about Instagram is if you see porn on there, that account gets banned. Same thing on YouTube. If there's porn, banned. Facebook, banned. Why do we think Twitter lets people post porn right alongside tweets where people try to cancel each other? So
2: so Twitter and Reddit are basically the only like widespread platforms that allow porn right now.
1: By the way, I didn't even know this Twitter allows porn.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think this is it. I think the reason is because on Twitter, it's a hundred percent follower based. If you don't follow porn accounts on Twitter, you literally don't know. It's you don't know it's there, right? It might as well be a completely different site. And Reddit, it's all like constrained to certain subreddits, so like they're not going to show up on the front page. So, it's porn or nudity. Porn. So you can watch porn on Twitter. Yeah, that's crazy. I had no idea. Do,
1: do, do you? Do, does and so I've actually um, I use Reddit. We use Reddit to grow our business uh, significantly, mm-hmm. um, and like I, like the first maybe hundred thousand subscribers to my business, it probably came from posting content on Reddit. Wow um and we've been on the we've had some articles on the front page and that will drive a million page views um over the 24 hours i mean it's pretty big i saw on your website knowing less that you were number one on gone wild yeah do you know how much? did that drive any traffic
2: quite a lot yeah i, I was the 11th top post of all time on reddit for a few years
1: wait the whole website Yeah. that's not what <laughs> how much traffic did that drive
2: <laughs> so i'm not actually sure i saw i um, this was back in 2013, I think, was when I posted it. And then it lasted a couple of years. And then Gone Wild changed their rules about to not allow people who are sellers. And so I got taken down. Um, but I think like a couple million, maybe like 5 million Jeez. views were registered on that on that thing.
1: But but you didn't have a link going to your blog?
2: I didn't have a blog at that point. I was just a cam girl.
1: Man, you would have had so much traffic. Uh, that's awesome. So, But we did the exact same thing where we would have... Pieces of content go viral on Reddit. And at the very bottom, we would put like a, if you, you know, we made this, here's our website. And it would drive millions of yeah. views. And then we would capture a ton of their emails.
2: Reddit is insanely powerful.
3: Yeah. Hacker News is actually another one of these sites that has the same dynamic where you cannot be self promotional at all. And so I actually ran this test where I installed a library on my website that I coded. To remove all the images and all the color, like drain the life out of my website when someone comes from Hacker News, so that it wouldn't look like a nice designed corporate blog, but instead it looked like something ugly and old, like a 2008 Blogger template. Holy shit! It was <laughs> pretty good. And I was doing this because when I was looking at the posts trending consistently on Hacker News, they were all these really old looking things, and anything stylized was getting sort of a uh, downranked. Oh man! So I put this on my website, and it worked. Uh, people, the thing, like the stories that I used to submit, I would resubmit and they would just hit harder that's because incredible. people thought this was like, you know, one raw solitary
0: man's uh, uh, diary entry on life or something. Yeah, that's super smart because I link indie hackers. like I stopped. I used to be number one on Hacker News at least once or twice a month. The mods put like a, uh, a sort of weight on indie hacker stories. It's like, oh, it's too popular. Like it's, it's making Hacker News too monotonous, uh, but we got a lot of traffic. Except that whenever I would post, a ton of angry nerds would show up in the comments and they would just hate relentlessly. Like, this site's too slow, it's too slick, why is there so much JavaScript? So I should have just done what you did, and then they would have loved it. So this gets us to
3: the topic of how do you optimize for growing as quickly as possible on these channels? The way I start is I think, how do I get my hands on all of the top-ranked posts of all time? And then if I can see what those are, can I then find the patterns? So they're really the only trick here is find a tool that lets you measure or lets you identify all of those top ranked posts. So for Hacker News, you can use Algolia, like the search feature. And then for Twitter, you can actually use TweetDeck, tweetdeck.twitter.com. And you can rank things essentially, but you can filter them at least by how many likes do they have. So if I filter by 10,000 likes or more, I start looking for the patterns among these high performing pieces of content.
0: Dude, nobody does this. Because like on hack, like on any hackers, I'm like, I literally on the homepage, I'm like, here are the best posts of all time. Here are the best posts every month. Here are the best posts every week. And I'm hoping people will go back and look at the best posts and make more posts like that because I want them to. And they never do. They just make kind of crappy posts and they complain like, why is nobody liking my posts? I'm like, the answers are literally right in front of you. Like I could not make it easier to find what works. Right, right. Okay, so we were talking about Twitter earlier. What are you seeing that works well on
3: Twitter? So you wanna tweet threads for the most part if you're trying to get retweets and retweets are what bring followers. And so the reason threads are useful is because it shows so much meat. It's like, here's all this content. It's not just a single tweet. It's a bunch glued together, which proves that you can sustain how interesting you are across multiple messages. So you're a de-risked person to follow. You can keep giving people the goods. And when you're tweeting threads or tweeting single tweets, you usually want to think about a two-part framework that I write about on on my website, which is novelty and actionable. So novelty means you're sharing something new that wouldn't have been easy to figure out on your own. And it makes you think, wow. So there's a few categories of novelty. One is counterintuitive, like, oh, I had no idea, or I would have never thought that's how the world worked. Another category of novelty would be elegant synthesis. It's where you capture something people know, but you say it so beautifully, they think, I couldn't have said that better. Or you took the words right out of my head, right? And the last category is shock and awe. It's like, holy crap, I cannot believe that just happened. Thanks for sharing that news. And then actionable is this thing you tack on at the end where it's like, hey, now that you know this novel piece of information, here's what you can do with it. Here are like the steps. Here's how this would now affect how you navigate the world going forward. So actionable and novel in like a thread form tends to perform exceptionally well.
0: I mean, if you've seen a account, like as far as I can tell, you're just asking like the most controversial, provocative questions and polls you possibly can. And no one else would do because we're all afraid of getting canceled. Wait, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> I, I guess so. I'm, I'm a little unclear about like exactly where my Twitter followers come from. I get Wait, pretty it,
0: Ayla girl. she's got one with an underscore and one look at the one that has an underscore. Ayla underscore yeah, the, girl.
2: The underscore is a safer work one. Like
0: I'll give you the skinny on Ayla Sam. So Ayla has all these polls on Twitter and they're almost always asking people like these super controversial things. She also has this card game that I bought. It's like it's kinda like icebreakers. Yeah.
2: So- what I did is I, I went through all of the polls. I've, I've been doing polls for like pretty steadily for about three years and I have around 1500 and I put them all on a spreadsheet. And then I sorted them all by like the amounts of likes and retweets and I, like I weighted them differently. And then I sorted it by ones that are most divisive. So like the, the answers tend to be like roughly 50, 50. Mm. Um, and then I, I selected from there in different categories and I had people like vote on them. Um, and that, that's how we got. So most of those came from Twitter polls or versions of Twitter polls.
3: So Twitter is a proven grounds
0: for what's actually interesting. Yeah. That's super cool. So you got a good one in here. It says if you could if you could see one number above every single person's head and it's invisible to everybody else, but no only you can see this, what's the number you'd want to see? So it could be like money, height, uh whatever. Ayla, what's your what's your answer to your own question?
2: Money is a pretty good one.
0: <laughs> so I'm
3: going with Death Notes. So how many years do they have left to live and only I know? Ooh. That,
1: that, that's a valuable skill.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one.
1: How likely they are to say yes to anything I ask them <laughs>
0: So the number changes? <laughs> uh, it's like a scale of 1 to 10. Like, <laughs> I can
1: persuade this person easily.
2: I feel like it just really revealed a lot.
1: Wait, I, I would do,
3: if I were to become friends with this person, how many years would I actually remain friends with this person? That's what I would actually That's do. That's mm. answer.
0: That's a good one. Yeah, because
3: I don't want to make friends with a dude for a year and then find out he's a scam artist and just have wasted all my time. Like relationships take a lot of time. I'd rather conserve some of that.
0: So I got a, I got a question. I got like basically a prediction for all of you. So I read this blog post uh, the other day. It's called Fuel Materials written by this guy, Daniel Gross. Uh, Julian, you probably know him. He's like he was a partner at YC. He was like the youngest director ever at Apple. Real interesting guy. And he wrote one about like what motivates people. And he had like a list of eight things that motivate people. And I want to kind of guess what motivates all of you uh, because I've been trying to piece it together. So Ayla, my guess, if I pick two things from his list. Well, what are the eight things? Okay. So the eight things are basically financial freedom, power, status, social pressure. So like belonging to like some sort of scene, Uh, adventure. You just want to like do crazy shit. You want to climb a tall mountain just for the sake of it. Curiosity. You just want to try new things for the sake of it. Um, Craftsmanship.
2: How are power and status different?
0: Power is you want to control stuff, but you don't necessarily know. You don't necessarily care if anyone knows that you control stuff. Status might be the opposite. You might have zero power, but everybody thinks you're like the coolest person ever, you've got the most followers, everybody wants to be you. Status is almost like fame in a way. But I guess they're easily convertible from one to the other, right? A lot of these are, you can convert probably money to power. You can probably convert status to money. Maybe
2: status is a subset of power.
0: I don't know. Like you could be like some low-level engineer at Google who you control like the search results or something and nobody knows who you are. You have no status, but like you have some control. You can like make people's lives. You can ruin somebody's business. Yeah, like how about the Minutemen sitting in the bomb silos able to launch them? Like that's a lot of power, but no status. Okay, so yeah, so there's power, there's status. Uh, I'll start with you, Ayla. My guess is you would quit OnlyFans if you got to $1.2 million. So financial freedom is big for you. And then based on your Twitter account, I'm gonna go with curiosity. You just like playing with ideas and asking questions and seeing what people have to say.
2: Yeah, that seems pretty on point.
0: All right, Sam, what do I think Sam wants? I think Sam, I think you want uh, status. Although the fact that you gave up on Twitter maybe suggests that you don't care, but I think you do. I think you wanna build something really big I think you want there
2: to be such a status move. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: not, yeah, I'm not even trying actually. That's, that's the status (laughs) move. Uh, I think you want status. I think you want there to be great stories told about you. I think you want to be, uh, epic and just create some cool stuff. And I think part of that is also adventure. I think you don't want to just like get to the end. I think you want to have a lot of fun doing it, meet a lot of cool people. Uh, I think that's what motivates you. It's good. I am I would have thought power and money but <laughs> well the reason I didn't pick money is because uh he put it as financial independence which I actually think is super smart because up to a certain point like you're just trying to be free like you don't want a boss you don't want anybody telling you what to do you want to control your own life but beyond that point like money's not that useful and so for you it's like I don't know I don't know what, what your bank account looks like but I assume that you're past the point of financial freedom I mean Your wife is rich also. Like You're good. So at this point, like if you want money, it's only because you want power or status. Is this a therapy session? (laughs) That's right. And then Julian, what do do I think you want? I think you're a craftsman. I think you're just going to obsessively work on shit even if no one sees it. Uh, You're just going to workshop your blog. You're going to redesign your blog 100 times this year just because. You're going to write like 10 blog posts. You're going to edit every single word of them. Uh, And you're not even going to release them because it's not good enough. So you're a craftsman and then also financial freedom. I think you wanna make enough money to live literally anywhere in the world and buy a super dope house, and right now that's what motivates you.
3: There's also this notion, I don't know where this fits in, but I wanna be able to widely distribute my ideas. So I don't know if that's power or status to actually have people preferentially pay attention, but if I'm gonna spend the time being a craftsperson to produce something that I'm really proud of and think people need to hear whether I'm right or wrong, uh, I do want it to get distributed. You think Twitter is the best way to do that? Well, Twitter I think is the easiest to grow If you are willing to put in the hours, meaning it's like a de-risked persistence based channel, you're not looking for big hits and misses. So like if you're submitting your website or your OnlyFans to Product Hunt, to Hacker News, to Reddit, it's a huge hit or miss. It either lands and hits the front page and goes viral or kind of dies in the abyss. But on Twitter, if you just keep chipping away, you're going to get incrementally more followers. And if you put the hours in, like I just went from 14,000 to 80,000 followers in about five months, because I just sat there reverse engineered, like what are the best tweets have in common and just leaned into it. So it's not it's it's a game, but it's not like
0: uh, it's not a huge you're not gambling. For you, it makes sense because like you want people to read your writing for Ayla. Like if you're strategically growing your Twitter, it makes sense because it's like that translates directly into money for you. But then I meet all these other people who just like want to have a lot of followers for no real discernible reason. They have no idea what they're going to do with their followers. They have no like step two. There's no like plan B. And it's like, it's almost like people who collect college degrees.
3: Well, it's interesting is I think a lot of people are trying to build up potential energy. They're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this audience, but there's something there. So it is working so far, so I'll keep rolling with it. And the question is, is there any directionality to it? So Sheelman, Manot, uh, a VC had a pretty cool tweet. He said, George Clooney made more money. So the actor made more money selling tequila than from acting. George Foreman, the boxer made more money from selling grills than he ever did from boxing. Dre, more from beats than making music. Last example, Tim Ferriss made more money, very likely we think, from investing in Uber uh, than writing books. I know
1: that that's a fact. I know Tim. That is a 100% fact, yes.
3: Hmm. So here's where my mind goes with this. If you have all these examples of, let's call them creators, who eventually make much more money by converting that potential energy into startup equity, essentially, then on your way to becoming huge, maybe don't slow yourself down. So if you're paywalling paywalling all your assets and you're cutting off your viral potential on the way to getting that big that you can convert that social capital to startup capital, then you're slowing your ability to actually uh, win. In, like you're not going to hit the global maximum of how much money you can make. So I wonder if you really should think through and have a deliberate plan for why are you building an audience? Even if it's just having social impact or meeting cool people, that's great. But if your goal is to get rich,
0: paywalling your way there is not the right way to do it. I don't think. Yeah, I actually talked to this guy on Indie Hackers who created a website that's kind of like Wikipedia for Gen Z. So it's full of people who are famous on TikTok and Instagram, and none of them would have a Wikipedia page. And if you go to Wikipedia, they actually have different categories on there. And one of the categories is just living people. Literally every living person who has a page on Wikipedia. And there's something like 980,000 people on there. So that's like basically a million people are famous enough to have a wiki page. But if you look at all the TikTokers and the Instagram stars and, you know, people on OnlyFans who have tons and tons of fans, but they're just not on Wikipedia, there's millions of famous people, which is super cool because this is kind of a new a new thing. Like, 100 years ago, very few people were famous. Like, 50 years ago, you had to be a movie star. Today, uh, you can be famous super easy. And, you know, if I relate this to your point, Julian, uh, all these famous people in the past kind of, like, knew how to make money. Like, George Foreman could, could turn his fame into a grill, but... Uh, today, we have so many more famous people who have absolutely no clue how to profit off of their fame.
1: Well, a lot of these people also, like, I've worked with a bunch of influencers. Well, I'm sure you have too, Julian. They just want to focus on what they like, which is creating content, and they don't give a shit about anything else. And so if you're like, hey, just tweet this link out and I'll give you five grand, they're like, okay, fine, great. You just paid my bills. Thank you. Versus, hey, you know, you could build your own company doing this, this, and this. And they're like, ah, no, 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 no. Just let me do what I like. I like creating, I'm only going to do that.
0: And what do you know that these people don't?
1: I know how to use the written word to get people to do what I want them to do. And how do you do that? <laughs> Why does that
2: sound so ominous?
1: <laughs> it does seem ominous. I mean, Sam, the face you're making right now, you look, uh, you look devious. No, it's just like, you know, when we're, we're always selling something, whether I want to like entertain someone with an article, like I'm not asking for money. I just like I'm trying to sell you to give me your attention and, and read my story. Whether I'm actually trying to get you to buy stuff, whether I'm trying to get you to share something, whether I'm getting you to believe something I'm trying to tell you, whether I'm trying to get you to work at my company, uh, I'm very good at particularly the written word, getting you to do what I want you to do. How did you get good? Um, The best way to get good is I found people who I admired and who were best in their field. And then I would write their work out by hand. So for example, there was a handful of long form copywriters that are considered the best. And I spent six months writing it out by hand, copying each of their ads. Then I wanted to learn a little bit about writing uh, like books. So I took JD Salinger's, um, what's his book? Um, Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. And I wrote that out by hand. Um, If you want to learn how to become a good script writer for like comedy for movies, you go and find a Judd Apatow script or Woody Allen script and write it out by hand. It's the same way that you like the way that we learn music is really great. Like if you gave someone six months, they can get really good at guitar. And what they do is they go and play Jingle Bells a bunch of times and then they go and play a Green Day song and then they go and play a ACD song and they figure out blues and rock and they go oh wow i see the commonalities between all these because i've been copying them now i know how to put my texture on this because i've learned the combination of what the people i like do and i'm going to make a little bit of my own add my own flair to that and so it's called uh, copy work so you just copy other people's work for a long period of time until you see the similarities and you start acting like them and behaving and thinking like them and then after a while you get really good at it and then you do your own thing
3: so you're basically pattern matching while you're writing. Like you're trying to lean into what is
1: recurring. Exactly. That's exactly it. But it's like, do you know how to play an instrument? Play the, uh, the sax or used to. The accordion. Okay, great. When you learned how to play, did you write your own songs on day one? Or did you copy other people for a little while?
0: Yeah. hundred percent copying, playing other people's music.
2: Wait, I, I, is this, I, I, I'm down with this as like a thing, but I feel a little bit confused still about it. So when you say copied out, are you talking like physically writing it with your hand?
1: Yeah. I wonder if I have my notebooks here. Like I literally have stacks of notebooks. And I have found the best selling, like there's famous ads, like long form ads that sold encyclopedias. And I literally write them by hand.
2: Okay, wait, so I'm, not, I'm not saying this doesn't work for you. I'm totally down with this. I'm just like confused. Like I can co- copy I can do a lot of things like and replicate it. And I still don't learn how to do it. Like when we copy things by hand, we're learning how to physically like, get our hand to move in that way um whereas i don't know how like it like if i just like write out a brilliant novel i'm i don't think that would actually help me because I've.
1: oh it will if you do it a bunch because you're reading it as you're writing it
2: well so what, wouldn't just reading it do it though
1: wouldn't just reading music teach you how to play music
2: but those feel like different <laughs> categories of things like with playing music i have to know how to read the music and how to translate that to my hands moving it
1: good writing is rhythmic and you and you actually have to feel the rhythm you got to know um you know like a great writing like you can have one short sentence and then a really long sentence like like you know what i mean like it's a rhythm and you and you can feel these rhythms by running it out by hand and it's f- because when you write it out by hand it forces you to acknowledge every single syllable every single comma every single period uh, and it's really important i think
3: it resonates more if you break into three steps as opposed to two so sam maybe you're saying i see this thing and i'm going to write it down i think the intermediary step is I'm now deliberately internalizing everything I'm writing down. So the writing down is just a forcing function to actually think through the patterns. I think that's what you're capturing. And I think that might sort of satisfy Ayla's good point, which is like, well, when I'm playing an instrument, I could just do it without actually thinking and then I'm not
0: actually getting true internalized learnings. So, okay. What about for your podcast, Sam? Uh, obviously, you know, you've read a lot about the written word podcast is all spoken. I assume you're not reading the off sheet of paper. Uh, how'd you get so good at podcasting? I think it's natural, to be honest with you. Just always having the ability
1: to... I mean, like I think that... I I don't know. I didn't didn't teach myself. It was just natural.
0: You didn't uh, listen to any shows and then uh, word for word speak back everything they said?
1: No, I don't even listen to business podcasts. I only listen to true crime podcasts. I think that when I speak, I speak like I write. And so I think my speech pattern is sometimes rhythmic.
3: Yeah, I think what's going on in your mind, which is what makes your podcast so interesting. While you're speaking, you're thinking, what is the most interesting thing I could say next that is novel and significant meaning like worth saying?
0: Yeah, and I would say that that does stem from writing. Okay, last question for both of you. Uh, Sam, you know, this might be your first time meeting Ayla. Ayla, this might be your first time meeting any of us. Uh, Any questions that you guys would want to ask to us or to each other that you haven't been able to ask? Ayla, do you want to come on our podcast? Yeah, sure. You've been doing the circuit lately, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's you been pretty time. fun.
2: Uh, but Cortland, you never answered the questions about um, what are your motivations.
0: My motivations. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, from that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine are definitely power. So I work on this website, Indie Hackers. It's kind of uh, like very top of funnel entrepreneurship. So it's a bunch of people who are just now discovering they want to start a company. And uh, the website's whole goal is to motivate them to start something, and so a ton of people start companies on Indie Hackers, and they go off and they raise a ton of money, et cetera. So it's like I kind of have this weird inflection point where I can influence people and motivate them before they've like become big. So I want to make Indie Hackers as huge as possible, and I want it to be like the way that people start businesses, and that's kind of my goal. So power for sure, and, and then it's number- already
1: pretty big in doing that.
0: Yeah, uh, and then number two is. Craftsmanship, which uh, I don't get to work on as much as more uh, as I used to, because I'm like always trying to like move numbers, and I think they're kind of like orthogonal. Like the more you're trying to like make something big, the less you can just focus on like making it perfect, because you got to like do things and like do the eighty twenty et cetera, and move on. But uh, I love to just sit down and code or design stuff uh, and try to make it look perfect. You're perfect as you are, Corlin. Oh, thanks, Julian. No, you're not Get better. <laughs> <laughs> you got a devil on one arm and an angel on the other all right well uh this has been great thanks sam thanks ayla for coming on the show thank you. everybody go follow ayla she's uh ayla underscore girl on twitter a-e-l-l-a and she also has an amazing blog called knowing less you're a very good writer ayla it's really good and go follow sam he's also on twitter at the sam p-a-r-r Uh, He's apparently given up on getting to 100K, but he's going to get back into it and tweet some interesting stuff.
1: I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it.
0: (laughs) And uh, what else do you want to plug, Sam? Uh, The Hustle, maybe?
1: Go to thehustle.co. Go to trez.co. Or don't. Do whatever you want.
0: All right. That's it. We're done.